With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, nonstop Viking Star. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Football. Yeah, it's Purple Daily time here as we're moving our way through uh, Therapy Week, Vikings fans. We are here for you, and I would never recommend drinking away your feelings on a regular basis. Drink responsibly, but, I mean, Corona Heart Seltzer is is here to help you. Uh, it's the only thing that's getting me through these first two weeks, Phil Mackey, so uh, you speak for yourself. I do drink responsibly on my own terms, and that's what I like to do with the mango. I feel like your level wine. of responsible drinking is a little further beyond my level let of responsible drinking. Let them go with hey, it, you man. Were, okay. You were 27 once. You got it. You, you were in the Vikings Insane Asylum at one period of your life. You've checked out, you get it, so I understand. Uh, but this month and every month throughout the year, discover Corona Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer made with pure beach vibes with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavors. Oh yeah. It allows you to enjoy the moment in each can. Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Import. Chicago, Illinois. You know, I've kind of just built habits for myself through the years that I've found work for me. And, you know, they're the same habits you have last week at, uh, before a tough game. And But they're the same habits you have when you have the good games. And so you just go back to your process and take it one day at a time. You know, believe that over the long haul, uh, you know, good things will happen and you're going to play better football more often than you're not. But, uh, you know, that's where my focus is now on Wednesday. <laughs> That is Kirk Cousins having gone back and watched the film of this last week, and uh, hopefully he'll provide a more inspired performance against the Titans, or maybe not. Maybe we want the Vikings to keep losing so they can draft, I don't know, they can tank for I'm Trevor. I'm comfortable or with whatever fields. happens. But welcome <laughs> in to Purple Daily. I am Phil Mackey. That is Judd Zolgat. We've got Declan Goff producing. We'll get to our guest here in just a second. Uh, a couple quick shout-outs. Number one, we will, in this episode, talk about the future of Mike Zimmer and whether, even though he signed a contract extension, whether his future should be in immediate trouble if this continues to train wreck. But uh, every Thursday, we look to the opposing team, and we talk to somebody with much more knowledge about that opposing team than we have, powered by Corona Hard Seltzer, Teron Davenport from ESPN.com. He is the Titans reporter. Thanks for coming on Purple Daily with us, Teron. No problem. Thanks for having me. We just want to ask you like 15 minutes of Steven Gostkowski questions, so uh, fire up. (laughs) Um, so the Titans have gone nine and seven, four consecutive years, and it, it kind of feels a little bit like where the Vikings have been at in their franchise, where they're good, not great. They've got there's a there's another level to get to. Um, 
how is after this 2-0 start, how are people viewing the, the, the Titans and how are people viewing their chances to finally break through the plateau of nine and seven and maybe even maybe even get to a Super Bowl? You know, this is the best 2-0 start that the Titans could have because they're not convincing wins. So yeah, they're they're 2-0, but it, it's very easy to keep just that that mindset, that blue collar mindset because I mean, let, let's face the facts. Jacksonville put up 480 yards of total offense on them last week. So there are things to be concerned about, even though they're winning. Derrick Henry is not running the football as explosively as, as he normally does. So people are saying, hey, we got to get the rushing game going. Arthur Smith is saying that. Henry saying that. The offensive linemen are saying that. So even though they're 2-0, like the Chiefs and like the Ravens and the Bills, it's a different two and zero because they're keeping their mindset still on that grinder. Just have to get better type of uh, vibe. So through two games, would you say that there is um, concern about how the team has looked, or does this feel like it's still a pretty good team that's just off to no preseason games, weird training camp, and it's it's uh, to a certain point shaking off the rust and on the track to be pretty darn good again. I think that's really what it is, shaking off the rust and, and getting back on track. And you have to remember there are some new parts that are being, you know, fluxed into the, the defense, especially, right, with, with Jadavian Clowney and then Vic Beasley. Whenever he should get onto the field, it, it's uh, that's a, a different situation that, that we could talk about. But there are some things that have to happen in order for them to get back to that, quote-unquote, Titans football that they trademarked last year and even just under Mike Vrabel, right? You always look at the running game. You see Derrick Henry, he stretches it, puts his foot in the ground, gets upfield, and next thing you know, it's a 60-yard touchdown. You're not seeing that this year so far, but it's more of a methodical attack. At the same time, you have to understand Derrick Henry is a guy that typically gets going later in the year. So there's a lot going on. If you want to look at a bright spot, though, Ryan Tannehill is spreading the football around pretty evenly, and that's without having A.J., Brown on, on the team, you know, they're kind of becoming like the, the Denver Nuggets where you, you got 20 guys that can score 20, uh, excuse me, five guys that can score 20 points, but you don't really have that guy that's going to average 30, but it's just harder to stop them because you can't stop everybody at once. Yeah, Tannehill is such an interesting case study here in that like, people are have, have the six years of, of what he looked like in Miami ingrained in their heads, and so... You know, it, it, even like with the contract discussions in the offseason, everyone's kind of like, I don't know, man, like one good year, he's in his early 30s. But if you were to just tell me, like strip away the six years of Miami and, and the bad infrastructure and everything, the injury, if you said, all right, I got a guy who was a dominant college quarterback, he was the eighth overall pick, and in his first 14 games, like you've seen with the Titans, he's going to throw 28 touchdowns, six interceptions, lead the NFL in traditional passer rating. He's going to be ranked in the top like eight in QBR and uh, yards per attempt. He'll be number one. You'd say, oh, yeah, okay. But he's a star. I mean, has he has he emerged officially into this new level or is there still, in your mind, some doubt over whether this is the real Ryan Tannehill? I personally believe this is the Ryan Tannehill that you're going to get. And for me, when I look at it, it, it kind of takes me back to my playing days where we, we had our, our coach, our wide receiver coach, Coach Frankie Sumter, rest in peace. But <laughs> if you did something cowardly on the football field, he'd say, somebody needs to take him to the wizard. 
to get some art. You know, and that's what <laughs> that's what Tannehill did. He went to the Wizard and got some heart. And you see the way he's playing just with such a confident mindset. That throw, if you guys saw the Jaguars game, the 18-yard touchdown to Adam Humphreys, just staring down Josh Allen and still making that throw, getting up and saying, and one, like that's just, it's a different <laughs> swagger with him. And I, I think that throw was really the perfect example of how he's come along. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm convinced that he's a solid quarterback. He's just different than he was in Miami. He's willing to push the ball down the field. He's not a check down guy anymore. Doesn't only take the safe throws inside the hashes. So, I, yeah, I, I think he's he's at a star level for sure. So at a position that's so tough to fill and, and teams are continually trying to look and find uh, guys at that spot, what can be learned about him then from what the Dolphins did wrong to what has worked here? Because, I mean, clearly now in retrospect, the Dolphins whiffed in in many ways, not in taking him, but not developing him. What's the cautionary tale or what's the story here in your mind that we're beginning to see in Tannehill's career as he now tracks from being what I think was probably considered a bust for a while into a really good quarterback? I think really it's just like any other relationship. You have to pick the right partner. That's really what it boils down to. And look, Adam Gates wasn't the right partner for for Ryan Tannehill. Now, initially, he was in a good spot. His OC from uh, Texas A&M was the OC when he first got to Miami. But it really boils down to just having the right partner. And that's something that I remember last year asking him about what it is that has changed. And he always said Arthur Smith and how willing he is. He, he said that Arthur Smith is the, the OC for the Titans is the most cooperative and open play caller he's ever had. And a good example of that, just to give you a little behind the scenes, the touchdown against the Ravens, the play action, it was the second touchdown to put them up 14-0. to They're on the right hash. Tannehill came over to Arthur Smith, and Arthur Smith gave him the play. They said, you know what, I'm not really feeling that play. I think this one would be better. And Arthur Smith was like, yeah, let's run that. And sure enough, it was the touchdown. So that's an example of just the relationship. There's no egos, right? A lot of offensive coordinators are like, what do you think you are telling me? What, 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 what? I'm, the, I'm the OC. I call the plays. No, it was, you know what? That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I think that's really an example of why things are going right for Tannehill. And then just the confidence that he has. Everybody at the NFL level has – plenty of ability, but a lot of the separation between, you know, a, a player X and, and player A is here. And he's playing with so much more confidence and so much more decisive with the football. You're seeing the results. That's why it's such an evenly distributed passing game. And Mike Vrabel is the one that ultimately sets this culture third year as the coach in Tennessee. And even though he's not officially, officially a member of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, I don't think because he never coached under Bill Belichick. He only played right under Bill Belichick. Um, he is by far, I would think, the most successful. I mean, you could make a case Bill O'Brien's had a couple winning seasons, but um, I think Mike Vrabel is the most successful coach that has come out of the Bill Belichick system, if you will, even though he was a player. What kind of coach is he? Why does it seem like, at least from my perspective, he doesn't get talked about on the same level as like 
you know, Sean McVay, people are mesmerized by and 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 Kyle Shanahan. And it doesn't doesn't feel like he's top of mind when you talk about top coaches, but he's done a good job. Yeah. You guys remember back in the day uh, after the strike for baseball when they had all the commercials with, with Tom Glavin and Sammy Sosa and McGuire? It was like, the chicks dig the long ball. ball. Yeah. <laughs> Offense draws eyes, you know, and, and the Titans are a team that will go out and score 40 points every game. So they're not talked about as much. Mike Rabel isn't talked about as much because he's not the young offensive genius that has the notepad and the pencil and he's always script. That's not Mike Rabel. People don't really like the defensive side of things as much as they like seeing that scoreboard get rung up. I think when you, you look at Mike Rabel and, and you ask what type of coach he is, He's a player's coach. And the thing is, in watching him, he does a really good job of making sure the guys understand that balance. Where he's like, I'm your homie. I care about your family. I care about, you know, the things that that are happening off the field. But you got to remember, when it's time to play ball, it's what I say. That's what goes. And I think that's the relationship that, that he has. And then just the fact that I know a lot of people don't like to, you know, hear this, but there's just a different advantage that you have when you've played the game, right? It's a lot easier for him to understand, okay, you know what? Clowney, I I, I get it, man. You were in this situation. You were leaning this way, and, and he's leaning on you, and it's harder to do this, this, or this. He has been through that before, so he could explain that. And then if you watch him at practice, this is another thing that really stands out. I mean, I, I always watch him at practice, and you'll see him go to the wide receivers, drop a jewel there, go to the offensive line, give them a nugget on pass blocking, and then the corners and say, hey, you know what? You got to make sure that you're getting your depth and your drive. It's it's really remarkable watching him. Then he'll go over to Derrick Henry, and they have the helmet on the stick, and he's punching the, the ball out of Henry's hands while trying to, and Henry is using the stiff arm to, to – Stiff on the helmet on the stick. It's just there's there's so much about him that, that makes him a good coach, you know, and, and as a foreign player. Like I didn't play in the league, I played in college, but you know, I, I'm watching him and I'm like, man, like this is a dude that I would love to play ball for. And then you just look at some of the other things as far as like the, the stuff that they do in practice. Jeffrey Simmons had a tip pass that Harold Landry picked off and it ended up being a touch uh, an interception, and that sealed the game. Well, guess what they were doing in practice that week? The defensive linemen are coming off the ball, right, and they're engaging, and then they're lifting their hands up with the outside linebacker coach throwing a, a, a kickball. They're practicing that. You know, so those are the things that really stand out. The, the, the stuff, the techniques that they teach in practice transfer to the games, and, and they have impact. So I think, you know, Mike Gravel, I endorse him as a, as a solid coach. You know, I, I remain objective, but – I definitely feel like he's he's an outstanding coach. And if I was playing, I would love to, to play football for that guy. Can Tajay Sharp play? Because I, <laughs> I think in two weeks we've seen, since he you know obviously went from the Titans and signed with the Vikes in March, I think we've seen one fourth and three deep ball directed his way, which was probably blatantly unfair to expect him to catch that ball. That being said, though, serious question, can he contribute? Man, you got to leave my guy tied. <laughs> no, he, he's a good player. I, I'll say this. When he was here with the Titans, 
and I say it with confidence, he was their best receiver along the boundary. He has really good ball control or body control rather, and he, he's very sure-handed. Um, he wasn't a heavy contributor with the Titans, but he definitely made some plays, especially on third downs, and that's kind of been his his mo in the time that I've covered the Titans. You know, since since 2018. But uh, I, I I was looking at that yesterday. I really I'm not sure what's going on. I'm gonna te- I'm gonna shoot him a text. Man, I asked him, you know, what, what's up, man? What's going on? Because I, I let us know what he it. says. I'd be curious. <laughs> I mean, I really thought that he would be productive out there, to be honest with you. Now, he, he's no Stephon Diggs, who I will take credit. He was my number two rated receiver in that draft. And, uh, you know, I was covering the Ravens at the time, and I remember, like, you got this outstanding receiver right in your backyard. You're starving for receivers. Why don't you take him? But uh, I, I'll say that, that Sharp is, is no Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Hey, last thing for you here, Tron. It's been uh, it's been great getting your insight, and I know you're immersed in Titansville here. So, from your sort of thirty thousand foot perch, when you look at the Vikings and they are very broken going into this game, and it's probably like the gateway for if the Vikings are still going to be relevant this year versus if they're going to be legitimately in the mix for a quarterback in the 2021 draft. A lot of it hinges on this game, probably. What are your just thirty thousand foot thoughts on the Vikings as you look at them coming into this game? Well, one word: disappointed. I, I, I've i always, you know, kept an eye on the Vikings, even dating back to Anthony Carter, you know, and then Chris Carter, Robert Smith, all those guys. I yeah. Minnesota has always been a team that I enjoyed watching. And, and now, I mean, when you have the talent that, that you have on that team and Dalvin Cook, who is, in my opinion, a criminally underrated running back, and you have Adam Thielen, a Ginsu-like route runner, I, I'm confused. You know, that's really the bottom line. And then watching the Colts game, it's just, okay, how do you let a team have the ball for 38 out of 60 minutes? And when you have a running back like Dalvin Cook, they have to stop turning the football over. That's a serious issue. They have to get the run game established because Kirk Cousins is most effective off of play action. So uh, when I look at it, I think that's the issue. There are some Injuries in the secondary, uh, Holton Hill, I mean, you know, coming out of Texas. I, I'm not sure what happened, but he, he's not exactly living up to what a lot of people thought he would live up to, you know, the level of play coming out of Texas. I, I really, really like Cam Dantzler. I really like Jeff Gladney. I did a lot of stuff with those guys and, and focused on them. So it's just there's so much talent, man. Eric Kendricks, I, I mean, come on. We're talking about the best cover linebacker in the league, right? And, and do we really have to get into the safeties? Harrison Smith and, and Anthony Harris, those guys are, are legitimate ballers. So there's so much talent on the team. It's just confusing as to why it's not going. And uh, it's frustrating, you know, when you see a team that's that good but playing the way that they play. Yep. Uh, great stuff. Teron Davenport, ESPN.com, Titans reporter, and uh, this segment powered by Corona Hard Seltzer on our end. So thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it, and we're looking forward to the game on Sunday. Thanks. Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate you guys. Hey, back to this episode of Purple Daily in just a second. A thank you quick to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been a partner of Purple Daily all season long. And also with the Mackey and Judd Show and a partner to many business owners in and around the state of Minnesota, dating back to 1904. And they are one of us because they're based in Owatonna, 
And you know when you partner with Federated, you're getting a company rated A-plus superior by AM Best Company. And uh, you're just getting a great relationship, a face-to-face, socially distant, safe relationship as well. Federated Insurance, you can count on when you need them. They are here to help. Remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Great stuff from uh, from Tron there. We'll keep it here on Purple Daily. And we're going to get into the future of, of Mike Zimmer. And even though he signed a contract extension, and actually all the things that you hear about Mike Vrabel there, we've seen a lot of that stuff in practice with Mike Zimmer. Um, although he definitely leans toward dropping little jewels and nuggets on the defensive side when he's at practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but real quick, before we get into the future of Mike Zimmer, Courtesy of Corona Hard Seltzer, they are putting together for us and for you guys, the listeners and the viewers of Purple Daily, the ultimate home tailgate party package. It's a giveaway. It's a, it's a few of our partners here on Purple Daily that are putting together some great stuff, and someone's going to win this. Uh, 65-inch TCL TV with a soundbar, $200 worth of Grunhofer's Meats, $100 to MGM Wine and Spirits, and you can enter in one of two ways. Just go to scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com, and click on rewards, and you'll see it right there. You can you can sign up, and uh, and you can have your chance to win. Or you can download the Score North app, which is free to, to download in the Apple and Google Play stores. You can find all of our podcasts across the Score North network, Judd's written pieces about the Vikings, and you just have to register your name and your email and enter through listener rewards. So um, pretty cool giveaway from some of our partners here on Purple Daily. Um Mike Zimmer, let's just let's just go there for a second here. You want to rip the Juggling. bandaid off? Two part question. Yeah, should his job be in jeopardy at some point this season? Mm-hmm. It's 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 an zero and two start. It's not an zero and six start yet. So like, there's definitely still time to turn this thing around. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are both skeptical, but should his job be in jeopardy at some point this season? Even though he signed a contract extension, mm-hmm. and what would cause you to decide to fire him during the season? If you if it came down to that, so I think both the question to me, let's combine them uh, because I can answer the questions if you actually put them together. And and one to be clear, I do not think the Welsh are going to fire him or Spielman in season under any circumstance. Okay, so they could win one game. I don't think. But that being said, let's hypothetically uh, combine the questions that you just asked me. And I think the way his job should be in jeopardy is after a sit-down in which you say, we're going to have to play who we play, which means we're going to have to play our young guys, we're going to take our lumps. So they might improve, we don't know, but we don't know. So they might, if they don't improve, we're just screwed. Um, and if Mike says no, and Mike starts to do his own thing, and Mike starts to try and, let's say he tries to milk five or six wins, which to me is just useless, completely useless. That, to me, because the the thing that got uh, Childress fired in 2010, and the only reason why I would fire... Zimmer during the course of 2020 is insubordination. So, and in Brad's case, he cut Moss Phil based on the fact that he had full control of the 53. Now, unfortunately for him, he didn't think to call the people that own the team to say, I'm going to cut Randy Moss. Big mistake. He also, but he could do that. Mike, to be clear, Mike can't do that. Spielman's got control. Yeah. So, so if Mike said, um, so and so, I can't stand him. He would have to go to Rick to get approval, and Rick would be would say, we don't want to get fired. Is it also fair to say that, like, obviously Mike Zimmer can be surly and crusty and old school and all those things, but Mike Zimmer has, I think Mike Zimmer is a little bit more likable behind the scenes, and Mike Zimmer seems to be liked more by the Wolves than Childress was by the Wolves. 
Is that a fair characterization? I think that's probably fair. And and I Childress also just wasn't the great people person. No, and I also think that um but but I mean the thing that Brad did not have and the reason why I don't like the coach to be in charge of the 53 man roster is I want checks and balances. So if Mike did just go crazy, just absolutely flipped out, he still couldn't pull the trigger that yeah. Brad did. Um but the only way that I would the only way I think that Mike Zimmer's job in 2020 would be in jeopardy is if he was actually insubordinate as to what he was asked to do. Yeah. I don't think his job is in jeopardy. Now, the third part of the question and the spinoff, and it doesn't so much involve what's going to transpire this season, is is this the right direction for the team, period, in an offensive league now? And that's sort of a separate. But no, I don't think that there is something that gets Mike fired unless he does something that we completely don't expect that they deem to be an insubordinate act. Yeah, I so I, I don't think his job should be in jeopardy in 2020. I don't think, I, I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of if he does something that's just crazy insubordinate behind the scenes, and I, I don't foresee that happening. He's, he's a pro, um, and he's had a good career. Like, it's a terrible start, and, and I know that we have been driving the bus on, hey, this is a this is probably a good season to just take a step back and maybe go get a quarterback in this historic great quarterback draft. But that doesn't take away from no Mike Zimmer hasn't won a Super Bowl and that's the goal. That's what this franchise's goal should be on an annual basis. But he's kind of in that second tier when you look at like winning percentage and record over the seven years. He's not Bill Belichick. I wouldn't put him in the Sean Payton group or anything like that. There's like six or seven coaches that have won a Super Bowl that are definitely going to be above. He's not Andy Reid. But he's a really good head coach, and his winning percentage is something around sixty percent or something. Yeah, and uh, and he has won a couple playoff games. Well, let me take that back. He beat the Saints in the playoffs. Should have beat the Seahawks in the playoffs, and then they had the Minneapolis miracle. But he, so, he beat the Saints twice. So he's beat the Saints he's twice in the playoffs. Yeah, you know. So it's 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 a good. It's a very Denny Green like run where you're you know Denny Green was here for basically a decade. Mm-hmm. Good coach, no train wreck seasons until the very end. Mike Zimmer is going down a very similar path, and the question is, is there another level to his game as a coach? And uh, it's, it's going to be tough for him to turn this thing around. I, what I like about the Vikings historically, for the most part, is they aren't a Cleveland Browns coaching carousel team. Like, yes, they have pulled the trigger midseason before with Brad Childress, and, and I think they admitted a mistake after three and a half years of Leslie Frazier. But for the most part, you get, you get you know four years or so, maybe five. Sometimes in the case of Denny Green, you get a decade. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to get one year and fired or two years and fired. Like there, I think there's something to be said about the, the perception of the Vikings being a stable franchise for the most part over the last 10 or 15 years. And firing a coach midseason would show the rest of football, oh, whoa, okay, stability is off here. So I think anything you can do... Worst case scenario, anything you can do to at least get through the season, and then if you have to evaluate a coaching change, do it in the off season. Don't be one of these franchises that just like, oh, we got, we need a jolt in week six, and so right. we're gonna well, we're gonna fire somebody. And what does an in season change do you? Like, what's the point? So you're if you're bad, you're bad. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Embrace that. Um, but the only, so if, if you're a good franchise and you make an in season change, it's done to provide a spark. It's done because the coach has, has so worn out his welcome at that point that he is let go. So I guess my question would be if we put all the pieces together and say, what would be the incentive to fire Zimmer in season? There really is none. Now that does not mean that you wouldn't get to March and be like, well, hold on a second. This team was terrible. 
the the league is trending or has gone offense, so it's time to make a change. That would all be a reasonable conversation. But unless you're just an absolutely crappy franchise, the reasons for making in-season changes are to prov- are for a reason. Yeah. There there's not there's not a justifiable one here, I don't think. So, you know, let's say let's say you fire Mike and Coobs is like I'll take the job, but just for the rest of 2020. And Coobs comes in and he wins like let's say 3 games cuz the team gets that typical jolt. Well, that's not a positive. You just won 3 games. Right. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, the only and again, it's funny because the, the only reason why you would you would really look to provide that midseason jolt in the NHL this happens on a more regular basis is if you think your team can win a championship, right? Sure. But in football, if you're to the point where you have to fire a coach in like week six or seven, it probably means you're like two and five or something. You're not winning a Super Bowl. So it's 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 usually the sign of unstable franchises that oh we got to do something oh, we don't have any answers and so we're gonna just like bring someone in in the middle of the season like you mean like the Lions? Yes, yeah. Who are almost certain to fire Patricia at some point in 2020? Don't be that franchise. I agree and, with you. And I would add to that another question to be posed here is that oftentimes in the NFL, even if even with reasonable franchises that wait until the end of the year and then evaluate, you know, take a step back, take a deep breath. Yep. Oftentimes. Coaches are just gauged off of like the the linear progression or lack thereof of a team's wins and losses, right? So, like Brad Childress is kind of a good example, and I'm and you and I like I'm not saying that Brad Childress was, was like screwed or anything, but okay, you start off and you're let's six and ten, and then you're eight and eight. Okay, you're taking steps forward, and then you get to an NFC Championship game, and then like the minute you take a step back, got to make a change, right, got to make a change. Now that's a different example, right? But they did it for a reason. Yep. But that's kind of how it goes in the NFL, where it's like, all right, you get your four, five, six years, and yes. you're going up, and then the minute you hit a plateau or take a step back, it's like, gotta fire the guy. I will say this: the balancing act there that, that I will that I will give teams that make the move the benefit of the doubt on a little bit too is is this is a shelf life league though. So, so like your judgment has to be unless the guy's name is Belichick or, but for the most part, this is a league where you have a set amount of time. Now, often there's too much impatience. But there are times where you just say the message has run out, and so that's my question about Zimmer. Because because when you say that it's a, you know, the message runs out, I think sometimes front offices and fans just assume that the message has run out. Mm-hmm. Where maybe the answer is, oh, the roster is not good enough, or they whiffed on a couple draft picks, or something, or this team in particular, the message has run out. But if you swap this guy and this guy out, you extract two guys, the message clicks. Is Mike Zimmer? The type of guy from what you've seen in six or seven years that let's say the Vikings go five and eleven or something like they just take a step back. Has he earned enough? Does he deserve the chance to hop back on the ride and ride it back up again? Or would you deem a five and eleven season to be just like the end of the Mike Zimmer? It's been a good run. It's just uh, just time to move on at that point. So I I think the hot take would be here: fire him, fire him now. Uh, I think the honest answer to your question is if you're if your coach who is respected as much as I think is Mike is by the Wolves I think it's a conversation and I think part of the and I think part of the conversation goes like this are you burned out here because he might say yes and that does not mean that he won't go get another job that that'll be a fresh start and be successful and we'll all be like Zim did it with take your pick um but I think if you're going to do this in a rational really well-constructed way. It's not, I've decided your message is done here. It's a conversation in which you say, it seems like this 
What do you think? And do you think that your time here in some ways has run its course? Yeah. And I, I agree. I think, I do think he, he, he has done enough in six years to not just be treated like crap mid season or at the end of the season. And I think it's worth the conversation too. age probably comes into play too. Like for him, I mean, maybe burnout is a thing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not, but like when you're in your sixties and you've had some health issues and the eye thing, like it's a conversation, but I don't, I don't like the idea of just continuing on this path of, well, as soon as you have a down season, you're just fired. Well, now, would I be curious to see one of these whiz kid, younger, offensive-minded guys come in and draft the quarterback that they want and see how that tandem plays out? Like maybe you're seeing in Arizona right now or in in, uh, Los Angeles with with the Rams and Sean McVay and Jared Goff. Like that definitely piques my interest. Get Get a dude at quarterback and get a brilliant offensive mind and see what those guys can do together. Um, but we're still a ways away from that. I know we've speculated on that a lot this week, and that will continue to be a discussion. Um, it'll probably be even more discussion in a month if they if they lose like three out of their next four with a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, Mike Zimmer still deserves the respect of everything he's earned in the first six years, in my opinion. So I think that's very fair. We'll, yes. uh, we'll see. Uh, it's been, let's see here, the Vikings have not allowed more than 350 points in a season. Since Leslie Frazier's last year, when they allowed 480 and he got Shocking. fired. Shocking! <laughs> and they've allowed an average of 35 in the first two games combined. So, And they might not have Hughes, who, who I guess has a neck problem now. And keep in mind, yeah. he missed the playoffs last year because of a broken vertebrae. They probably won't have Cam Dantzler, which means Chris Boyd is going to bump up. So your starting cornerbacks, your three cornerbacks on Sunday will be Holton Hill, Chris Boyd, and Jeff Gladney. Oh boy! It, and Ryan Tannehill, I agree with. I agree with Tehran. Uh Ryan Tannehill has turned a corner. Well, that dude looks like a different quarterback. Again, I will urge you to think of it this way: football's nature is taking its course in Minnesota. Allow what's going to happen to happen. Hill don't fields. Don't fight it. Hill for fields. Don't fight it. Allow it to happen. Your o- your only long term problem is going to be the more they lose and the pressure lessens, the more statistics your quarterback is going to put up. Missed tackles for Morgan. Like you know what? I'm on the. Can we start with Fields and Lawrence? Yes. Like I absolutely. mean, God bless. 100%. Morgan's a great story, but let's start at the top this time. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm with you on that one. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm at the point where I'm just like full on actively rooting for train wrecks here because sometimes you need a good train wreck to to really take that step forward. But mm-hmm. ask me again on Ventline cheap plug after this Titans Vikings game is over on Sunday. You can find Vikings Ventline. Immediately after Vikings games on Score North Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast, where we welcome fans into the video with us. And that's been that's been a blast the last couple of weeks, even though it's just been disaster football. So hang out with us on Sunday after Vikings and Titans is over. That's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolget, Declan Goff pushing the buttons. And a thanks to Teron Davenport from ESPN.com for giving us the lowdown on the Vikings week three opponent. Tennessee. We'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's Mackie. Join your favorite Minnesota sports teams for home teams versus hunger now through September 30th. During this one-of-a-kind fundraiser, you can bid on amazing sports items, unique team experiences, autographed merchandise packages, and more. All proceeds will benefit Second Harvest Heartland and Minnesota's six Feeding America food banks. To view a complete list of items or to bid, go to scorenorth.com, keyword home teams. scorenorth.com, Keyword home teams. It's time to come together to help feed those in need. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. 
Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.